Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Then send me out to share Christ with others so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you believe that it's important at some point we learn how to share Jesus with others? Right? How many of you want to learn how to do that? How many of you want to become bold and unafraid in doing that? I do. Right? That's part of the great commission. Right? And we're going to learn how to do that here. It's so important. Well, if you've got a Bible, open it up to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians. It's over in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, giants eat peas and carrots. That's how I memorize those books. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Giants eat peas and carrots. Let me just ask a question as we're getting started. Hey, listen, this is a safe place, right? We're family and we're learning together. What are some benefits to living a life that is pleasing to God And growing into spiritual maturity. Come on, anybody have any benefits? Come on, got one benefit at least to that? Peace. You have more peace, right? Good answer, Judy. Good answer. That was awesome. Peace. That's a benefit to living a life that's pleasing to God and growing in spiritual maturity. As a matter of fact, that's one of the the fruit of the Spirit. Peace, right? Good one. Anybody else got another benefit? Huh? Joy. That's a benefit. Right? That's a benefit to growing up spiritually and living a life pleasing to God. What else? Anybody else? Huh? Healing. That's a benefit. Right? Open up our lives to God for healing and restoration for Him to move on our life. Right? When we're living a life that's pleasing to Him and fruitful spiritually. Anything else? Growth. Growth is discipleship. Becoming more like Jesus, growing as a disciple, that's a benefit. Prosperity. Prosperity. The Bible defines prosperity as success in the journey in life, right? In every area. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God wants us to prosper. He wants us to increase in different areas of our life. It's so important to Him, right? Another benefit, one more. Right? So a benefit to living a life pleasing to God and growing spiritually, we don't live life in the flesh in and through our own efforts. Right? We open up ourselves to God's help, God's ability. One of the benefits that I thought about was, this is a big one, one of the benefits to growing spiritually and living a life pleasing to God. Listen, 
we close the door to the devil and we open wide the door to God. Come on, that's a benefit. Because if we're just living any old way we want to, living in a sinful lifestyle, don't take that condemning. I'll explain to you what I mean. What happens is, we don't realize it sometimes, but that opens the door to the devil. And if you give that sucker an inch, he'll take a mile, right David? And that's a big difference. And God doesn't want the devil to be taking miles from you and harassing your life. That's why Jesus came. Now, just because we're living a life of spiritual maturity and we're learning to live a life that's pleasing to God, that doesn't necessarily mean the devil won't attack. That doesn't mean that the devil won't harass and try to wreak havoc in your life. He will. Sometimes more than an unbeliever because you got the mark of Jesus on your life. But we've got the authority of Jesus. We've got the blood of Jesus. We've got the promises of God. And there are so many benefits to living a life of growth spiritually and a life pleasing to God that we should have that as one of the main goals in our life. As a matter of fact, that's kind of a big thought for this series. The goal for every Christian is to grow in spiritual maturity and become more and more like Christ. That's one of the goals. Now, today is our final message in this series that we've entitled God's Best in Me. God's best, not your best, not my best, not just doing the best I can. No, God's best in me, developing Christ-like character. Let me just catch us up. In the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul writes, and he says, And God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the preparing of the church... For the work of the ministry of the church. And he did that until we become unified in our knowing Jesus. And until we grow up spiritually becoming more and more like him. That's in Ephesians chapter 4. And that's only one verse that speaks to us needing to grow spiritually. There's a bunch of them. That's one of the verses. And the Apostle Paul says that spiritual maturity looks like fruit. Not apples and oranges. Spiritual fruit. In other words, what the Holy Spirit produces in and through the life of a Christian. And he talks about that in Galatians chapter 5. I think it says something to the effect of, but the fruit, that which the Holy Spirit produces is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faith, and self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit produces in the life of a believer. And this is so, so important. As a Christian, you don't have to work for the fruit, and you don't have to earn the fruit. If you're a Christian... The Spirit of Christ already lives in you. That means He brought all of the fruit with Him. So all of the character of Christ that the Holy Spirit produces 
already belongs to you. Come on, somebody say amen. So you don't have to get it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work hard for it. But we do have to learn how to access it. We do have to learn how to draw from the one that lives on the inside of us. This is a supernatural process. People who aren't born again, people who aren't in the family of God, can't do that. Now, Galatians chapter 5, I asked you to turn there. In your sermon guide, I think there's only one verse that I highlighted. But I have a sense from the Lord. I want to back it up. And I want to start in um, verse 16. But I want to read more than verse 16. I want to read all the way through verse 26. Because it's going to be the kind of foundation for today's final message. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 I'm reading and I'm starting there. It won't be on your screen. So you're in your Bible or you're just listening to me because there's only one verse in this whole portion on your sermon guide. I'm reading from my Bible and this is what it says. I say then, walk in the Holy Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust, the cravings, the ungodly desires of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the law. The law means you're trying to do what God wants you to do, in and through your own efforts, without His power. If you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 19. Listen to this. Now the works of the flesh, remember the flesh is our sinful human nature apart from God. Now the works of the flesh are evident. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. Lewdness is just outright sin, Out in the open, no regard and no care. They're just doing it and they're doing it proud. Lewdness. I don't think I need to define adultery and fornication. We should know what that is. Verse 20. Idolatry. Putting anything or any other person or or any other uh, pursuit above God. That could be idolatry, sorcery. That could be drugs. The Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia. That's where we get pharmaceuticals. That could be drugs. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. That's teaching and preaching and believing things that are not sound in Scripture. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries or parties, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The word practice means they're a part of your lifestyle and you don't care and you just want to keep doing them. And so if you're doing that, that either means you're not saved, if this is something that's part of your lifestyle and you don't care, or you're saved and and you haven't caught a revelation on how to get free of this stuff because God wants us to be free of this stuff. Amen? Amen? And so if you're a Christian and you're in a lifestyle of this stuff and you genuinely love God, there could be areas of the kingdom of God here on earth that you won't inherit, that you won't be able to receive. 
because you're out of God's will, because I'm out of God's will. It's so important we understand that. Notice this, verse 22. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, or faith, and self-control. And those, listen, against such there is no law. Against such, in other words, there isn't any law that wouldn't want this to happen, all this great fruit coming out of our lives. Of course we do want it to happen. Notice this, verse 24. And those who are Christ's, anybody belong to Christ in here? And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, you've made a desire and a, and, a, a, and a decision since your old sinful nature was crucified with Christ on the cross. You've made a decision put, to put to death your fleshly desires and your fleshly deeds. And you say, hey, they're dead. They're dead. I, I want to live for God now. Verse 25. Listen to verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, in other words, if positionally we're in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in us, because He is and you are as Christians, let us also walk in line with, in step with the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Paul, if you notice in verse 16, he says, listen, walk in the Spirit and you won't live this ungodly life. And then he describes this ungodly life. And then he describes the fruit from a walk in the Spirit. And then at the end, as an encouragement, a final encouragement, he reminds us, listen, if you're already in the Spirit, because you are if you're saved, walk in the Spirit. Align your life after the Spirit. Notice uh, on your sermon guide, it's in the Amplified. Let's look at it again. Let's read it together from your sermon guide. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. You know what? Let's just read verse 16. Galatians 5.16 only. You ready? Let's read it together. Ready? Read. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek Him, and be responsive to His guidance, and then you will certainly not carry out the desires of the sinful nature which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. Here's the title of today's message, our final message in the series, Walking by the Holy Spirit. Come on, would you say it with me, church? Come on. Walking by the Holy Spirit. So we have a choice. You have a choice. I could either walk by the fleshly, carnal, ungodly appetites. That doesn't lead us anywhere good. Or I could walk by the Holy Spirit, following His lead, following His direction, following His guidance. Remember, we've been talking about a pathway to becoming more like Christ. I'm trying to make this as simple and as easy so that any one of us can get on this pathway. Okay, The first step that we talked about was knowing. Knowing that your old sinful nature was crucified with Christ on the cross. You're not the sinner you used to be if you've received Jesus. You're a new creation. So the first step on this pathway is knowing that my old sinful self is dead. You have to know that. The second step on the pathway is counting. After you know that, 
the Bible says, Therefore, be counting yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Remember, counting is a mathematical term. It means you've done the equation and you're coming up with the final thought, the final answer, and it aligns with what God already says about you. You're reckoning yourself to be dead indeed to sin because you really are, because your old sinful nature is dead. The third step on this pathway is presenting. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Presenting yourself to God and your body parts your members of your body as instruments or weapons of righteousness, not to sin. So we got to remember knowing, counting, presenting. That's all in Romans chapter 6. We don't have time to read Romans 6 today. So here's step number four. It's a fill in the blank on your sermon guide. I must learn to walk in and by the Holy Spirit. Come on, would you say it with me? I must learn to walk in and by the Holy Spirit. Listen to a couple of other translations of Galatians 5.16. The Good News Translation puts it this way. What I say is this. Let the Spirit direct your lives. And you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. And that's the human nature apart from God that wants to do the ungodly things. Listen to the Living Bible translation. I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. He will tell you where to go and what to do. And then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants to do. Come on. Does anybody agree... That more than anything, we need to learn to walk in and by the Holy Spirit's power and direction. Would that help anybody? I know it would help me. This is helpful. The Holy Spirit's a person. He's not a ghost. He's not some entity. He's not just some power. When you read about Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit in the book of John, I think 16 different times he refers to the Holy Spirit with masculine Personal pronouns. He, him, his. Not just a force. Not just some orb. Not just some mist. No, he's a person. It's the person of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What does it mean though, Pastor Robert? Because you're getting pretty spiritual. You've got to break it down for me. What does it mean to walk by, by the Spirit? Come on. Walk by the Spirit. Sit by the Spirit. What does that mean? Talk by the Spirit. Huh? Interact with your spouse and your kids by the Spirit. It sounds wonderful, but God, help us to understand what that means. I want to try to show you today. Letter A, fill in the blank. Walking by the Spirit means that I trust the Holy Spirit to do in me and through me what I cannot do myself. Come on, does that give you a picture of what it means to walk by, at least partially, a partial picture of what it means to walk by the Spirit? 
We're going to trust Him to do in us what we can't do by ourselves. Galatians 5.16 again, the back half. Notice it with me. Let's pay attention. Let's, let's focus on the Word. And then you will certainly not, certainly not, certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. Don't raise your hand. Don't look at anybody. But do you remember the last time you did something that you knew was wrong? That you knew was ungodly? That wasn't characteristic of Christ? It wasn't the Spirit of Christ doing it? Do you remember the last time you did that? And you wished, looking back, that you wouldn't have done that? Come on. I do. Notice this. And then you will certainly not. So walking by the Spirit enables ourselves to give way to the Spirit to keep us from doing things with His help that we would otherwise do without His help. He's your helper. Isn't that how Jesus described Him? He said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to pray to the Father that He will send you another helper. One that will be with you forever. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to help you. Listen. If we'll learn to do this, He'll keep us from doing the wrong things and He'll lead us into doing the right things more and more and more. Pastor Robert, you don't understand. I, I've got this habit. I've got this sin. I've got this pattern. That's why we're talking about this church. Because the fruit of the Spirit is in you already if you've accepted Jesus. And He can do through you what you could never do on your best day. Look at Philippians 2.13. Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. This is good news. You might be sitting here and going, Pastor Robert, I don't even have the desire to do the right thing. That's okay. If that's where you're at, be honest. God knows it. Be honest. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. According to this verse, if you just keep going after Him, He's going to give you the desire to want to do the right thing. He'll birth the desire in you to do the Christ-like thing. To walk in the Spirit. To allow the Holy Spirit to do something in and through you that you don't even want to do. He'll give you the desire. Not only the desire, but notice, and the power. The supernatural ability. The supernatural dunamis power. Strength that comes from God to do what pleases Him. Did you know that there are so many benefits to pleasing the Father. So many benefits. If more Christians would see this and line up with this, I just believe more Christians would experience less heartache, less pits that they dig for themselves. The devil digging a pit for you and you jumping in is one thing. Digging your own pit? While the devil watches you? And then you jump in it? That's not God's will for us. There's a better way. His name is Jesus. 
And He lives in you. He'll give you the desire to do the right thing. And He'll give you the power to pull it off. Think about this with me. This pulls all three steps that we've been talking about together. Once we know our old self is dead, and we begin to count Him as such, and we make a daily decision to present ourselves to God, now we learn to walk in and by the Spirit, which means I'm learning to trust Him to do in and through me what I can't do myself. What does that look like? That looks like a fruitful life. That looks like a life of spiritual maturity. That looks like growing and becoming more and more like Christ. Pastor Robert, can you give me another picture? What else does it mean practically to walk by the Spirit? Letter B, fill in the blank. Walking by the Holy Spirit means that I seek Him and respond to His guidance. I seek Him and respond to His guidance. Look at Galatians 5.16 again. We're not getting too far away from it. Look at your sermon guide. He says, but I say, walk, conduct your life, align your life habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desires of the sinful nature which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. See, when you and I seek and respond to the Holy Spirit, He will lead us away from fleshly, sinful action to godly, Christ-like action. He lives in you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. Think about that, men. When we become a little impatient, when we want to get our feathers ruffled, when we're dealing with our wife or with our family or with your kids, in that moment, you've got the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you. And He'll never lead you to be abrasive. He'll never lead you to be short-tempered and to cut with your mouth towards your wife. When that happens, I guarantee you 100%, it was you and it was me, apart from the Holy Spirit. But if we'll learn to just depend on Him, He'll give us His way. And wives, if we learn to just depend on the Holy Spirit, instead of saying things or doing things that could seem to be disrespectful in the eyes of your husband, the Holy Spirit will show you a different way. He'll show you the loving way, the respectful way, a way that builds your husband up and reminds him of who he is. And who God's called him to be. And the leader that God will enable him to be. When you do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. When the husband does what he's supposed to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. When the wife does what she's supposed to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. What happens? God's in the middle of that. And there's fruitfulness in that relationship. We can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. Everything we do is supposed to learn how to do it by him and through him. And his guidance and his leading. Look at James 1, 14 through 16. I just want to touch on this, and then I'm going to get back over here to a bunch of good news. But I need to mention this. When a Christian doesn't understand this, or someone who professes to be in a relationship with Jesus and doesn't understand this, hasn't made a decision to try to understand it, 
and just decides to live like everybody else. It brings harm. It brings bad circumstances. The long view can bring death. Sometimes physical, sometimes relational, sometimes financial. Sometimes it brings death to different areas of our spiritual relationship with God. Sin always does that. And that's why God says it's not good. It's not good for His people to be involved and living a lifestyle of it. James chapter 1, verses 14 through 16 says this. But each one is tempted by his own desire while being drawn away and enticed. Then the desire, having conceived, gives birth to sin. And the sin, having been fully formed, brings forth death. Do not be deceived. Deceive means I can do this and I could take part in it and I could keep flirting with it and playing with it and stepping out with it and it's not going to cause any harm to my life. That's deception. That's the enemy who will deceive us into thinking that. Anytime we let our human desire, another translation says lustful, ungodly cravings, they get out of control and we don't learn how to walk by the Spirit and pull them back in, what happens is that desire conceives like a seed. And then it begins to form. It's bigger and bigger and bigger. And then at some point, it gives birth. And sin is right there, full grown, right in our face. And it brings death. Could that happen to Christians? It can. This is, this is so important. God wants the best for His kids. And the, and the quicker we learn how to do this, the more grace we'll experience, the more victory we'll experience. So I want to show you now, for, for the next few minutes, I want to show you something very practical in a way that any time and every time you're going throughout your day and you feel tempted by the enemy to act outside of the character of Christ, you can utilize this to pull in walking by and in the Spirit's power in a moment. Okay, And it's going to come in the form of an acronym. This isn't me coming up with this. I've gleaned this over the last few years from another pastor. And I want to share this acronym with you. I think I wrote it on your sermon guide. It'll be on the screen. This is the acronym. APTAT. Say it with me. APTAT. I want you to remember APTAT. A. Admit. You can do nothing. Apart from Him. P. Pray. For the help that you need. In the moment. In any circumstance. In any situation. T. Trust. Trust God. To give you what you need. In the moment. A. Act. In that trust. Walk in it. Do it. Act in the trust. And then finally, T again, thank. Thank God for doing what He promised He would do. Right there in that moment. You're tempted to do something that's outside of the character of Christ. Aptat. Let's look to it real quickly. Each letter. A, admit, admit. Something like this. I admit, Father, 
that I am utterly dependent on you, 100%. Without your Spirit's supernatural help, I can't live for Christ. I admit this utterly and willingly. Father, I even embrace the words of the Lord Jesus Himself from John 15.5, the back half. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, those of us that abide in the vine produce much fruit. This is a way to abide. This is a way to remind yourself, I'm attached to Jesus. It's Jesus who's attached to me. It's His fruit. It's His life. It's His character. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this human body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave Himself for me. Admit it. You can't do anything without His supernatural help. You can't do anything that would cause you to be victorious over a temptation from the devil. You can't do anything to move forward in your walk with God. We are utterly dependent on Him. This applies to everything in your life. It's not just for like when you're at church or super spiritual. It's everything. It's your family relationship. It's a habit that you want to try to kick. It's a sin you want to break free from. It's a decision you want to make. It's a tough day that you might be facing. Father, I admit, apart from you, I can do nothing. I'm thanking you right now for the Holy Spirit in me. I need Him. I need Him to help me right now. Hey, admit it. Come on. God knows it. You know it. And we just need to admit it. Next, pray. Pray. Father, right now, I pray for your help. Help me resist the temptation that's in front of me. I pray for you to give me the supernatural strength I need to respond in love instead of anger. I pray right now for your grace and your power to enable me to get through this project or through this work day or for the caring of my children. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. Pray. Pray is not only for Sunday mornings. Prayer is anytime you need God's help. Amen? Isn't that what the Word said? Listen to Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. A is admit. P is pray. The next one, T, trust. Come on, say that with me. Trust. Do you want to trust God for what you need in that moment. Have you ever been in a discussion maybe with a fellow worker or a manager or a boss? I'm telling on myself. And uh, you didn't know how to do this or you don't do this. And instead of responding the right way, instead of responding in love and instead of responding with patience, you just gave them a piece of your mind. Not God's mind, your own. And it got you in trouble. It got me in trouble. Caused me to quit three or four different jobs. Because I wasn't trusting in that moment for the Holy Spirit to to flow through me. And for me to lean on His wisdom and His guidance and, and His words instead of mine. And I just let it fly. And I quit. One, two, three. I wasn't being led by the Spirit. I wasn't following His direction. 
I was following my own thought pattern, my own fleshly frustration. And every time I did that, I got in trouble. Christians can act outside of the character of Christ, even though Christ lives in us. And we need to learn how to trust the Holy Spirit in those moments where we need Him a lot to move in our life. Trust is all important. In this whole thing, aptat, trust is all important because trust is the act or the action through which the Holy Spirit moves. He's going to move through the person who trusts Him, who has faith in Him. That's how you started your whole life in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 3. I think it's on your sermon guide, verses 2 through 3 and 5. Let me just remind us about trust. Paul says, I want to learn only this from you. Did you receive the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He's asking, I just want to know, brothers and sisters, did you receive the Holy Spirit by working for Him? By performing? By earning Him? By doing something that caused you to be good enough so that you got Him? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit by trusting? By hearing of faith? The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Every time you hear faith-filled messages, a faith-filled promise, it, it brings trust. It brings faith. That's how you got saved. That's how you became born again. When you heard the gospel, you gave your life to Jesus. You surrendered. You turned from your way. You made Him Lord of your life. That hearing of the gospel bought faith. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. It was by the grace of God. Verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun with the Spirit, are you now perfecting yourselves with the flesh? In other words, you got saved by the Spirit, by faith. The Spirit was given to you because you put your trust in God. You received the Spirit. Now what? You're going to try to live your Christian life by perfecting yourselves? By trying to do it on your own? By trying to be good enough with your own human nature? Verse 5. Did then the one supplying you the Spirit and working miracles among you do it because of works of the law? Because you were obeying all the Ten Commandments? Because you were so perfect? Is that why He supplied the Spirit to you? Or because of the hearing of faith? Did He supply the Spirit because you were good enough? Because you, you did everything you were Or did He supply the Spirit to you because you put your trust in Him? Right? That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. Remember this. Listen. Our question is, how do I become a channel or an instrument through which the Holy Spirit of God brings me to spiritual maturity and letting the character of Christ flow through my life? How do we do that? Well, we can't do it without trusting the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without admitting that we're desperate for His help. We can't do it without praying in the moment. We can't do it without trusting. Pastor Robert, I need to work on my trust. I know you do, so do I. I'm going to give you two practical habits that you can do that will help you get stronger in your trusting the Holy Spirit, trusting God. Okay, these are very practical. And let me just say this. The first one 
is non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable, okay? Here's the first one. You have to read your Bible. You have to. You have to be a person who reads your Bible. Pastor Robert, I don't, I don't read very well. Listen to the Bible. There's a lot of apps that you can listen to the Bible. But if you know how to read it, I would recommend reading it. There's something about putting your eyes on the Scripture, letting them come into your eyes, your heart, down into your spirit. It just increases your faith. God's Word is alive. God's Word is full of promises. God's Word is powerful. The more you're familiar with the general will of God from the Bible, the more you'll trust God for the specific thing in the moment that you need the Holy Spirit to help you to trust Him in. Okay, that's the first one. Practical. Everybody can do it. Here's the second practical thing. I want you to memorize three promises that you can use every day. And I'm going to even provide you the promises. I'm doing half of the work for you, okay? Here they are. Romans 8.32. If you have a Bible, I want you to look at it with me. This is what Romans 8.32 says. I want you to memorize this. And when you come back next week, I'm going to ask you in the middle of service for you to recite it up here on the microphone. I'm just kidding. Don't stay home because of that. I will never do that to you. Romans 8.32. Listen to what it says. He, God, who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Come on, is that an all-inclusive promise? If God gave you Jesus, how will He keep anything else back from you that you need, especially if you need His help in the moment? All the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen. That's the second verse. 2 Corinthians 1.20. That's what it says. If you go to your Bible, 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen. If you memorize that in the moment when you aptat, when you're admitting, when you're praying, when you need to trust, these Scriptures can come up in your heart and they bring faith in the moment. They increase your trust. They help you to remember that everything you need, especially help in that moment, came with Jesus when He died for you and rose from the grave. Because God delivered, He gave Jesus to you, there isn't anything else that you need that He won't give you in the moment when you call on Him and when you trust Him. That's Romans 8.32. And then, any promise that you need, it's not just going to heaven. It's experiencing the promises of God on earth while you're on your way to heaven. Can you say amen? And that's why 2 Corinthians, is, it's a verse you should remember. 2 Corinthians 1.20 All the promises, how many promises? All the promises of God in Him. Who's the Him? Jesus. All the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, Amen. And the last one. Who knows Philippians 4.13? If you know it, say it by heart. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Pastor Robert, in that moment when I want to sin, when I want to do the wrong thing, when I go to the wrong place, hook up with the wrong people, when I want to do this, that, or the other, and I, when I want to say the wrong thing, when I want to give them a piece of aptat. 
Admit. Pray. Trust. I do that every Sunday. Now, when you're having a conversation with someone, or someone's being abusive, or you're under pressure, you don't don't have to go, wait, aftat. Admit. Pray. Trust. You're going, to lose, you're going to lose whatever was happening right there in that moment. They're going to think you're weird or something. I don't know. Don't do that. But in your spirit, in your heart, right there. For example, like I am my worst critic. I really am my worst critic. And so right there, just before I'm going to go up, Aptat, I admit, Father, I can't say anything or do anything without your help that will bring life to people, that will help them to see the beauty of Jesus. So I'm praying right now. And I'm trusting you right now. Holy Spirit, help me. Speak through me. Use me. Strengthen me. Aptat. You can do it in any circumstance that you might be challenged with. But those three verses, memorize them. They will help you in the moment. Let me finish up. Okay. So what have we covered? A stands for what? Admit. P stands for what? Pray. T stands for what? Okay, now A, act. Act in that trust. In other words, do what the Spirit is guiding you to do. Do what God's Word says. By the way, the Holy Spirit will never guide you or guide me to do something that's in opposition to the Scriptures. So the more you know the Scriptures the easier it is to draw from the Holy Spirit's guidance in the moment, okay? Last but not least, T, thank. Thank God for doing what He promised He would do. Catch this. Even before He has done it, because He will. That's faith. That Father, I thank You for doing and fill in the blank. And then just walk in it and watch... The waters part. Amen. Have you been blessed by the word this morning? Aptat. Come on, stand to your feet. So what did we learn through this whole series? I must know that my old sinful self is dead. I must count my old sinful self as dead to sin and alive to God. I must present my new self to God. And finally, I must learn to walk in and by the Holy Spirit. Listen to that. No. Count, present, walk. You can do it. I can do it. God, help us to do it. Just bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would help us to take these practical steps And use them in our everyday life. Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit. To live from the Spirit of Christ that lives in us. To become spiritually mature. To produce Christ likeness. So that we can become everything you've called us to be. Experience everything you want us to experience. And continue to point people to Jesus. We declare all these things and we receive them by faith. In Jesus name. Everybody said. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. 
If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.